and welcome to Middle Church Online. I'm Natalie. I'm your digital minister here at Middle. Thank you so much for choosing to worship with us. We're so glad you're here. Um, we are ordaining uh, deacons this Sunday, so let's get right into worship. But before we do, let's take a deep centering breath together. And let us worship God. the message for all ages. Today, we're... One moment, please. Snuggles, are you okay? I'm so lost, Miss Alicia. I'm graduating from Quack College soon, and I don't know what I want to be. A doctor? A lawyer? A computer scientist? Ah! 
it's a hard time. Let me tell you a story. Once upon a time, there was a 15-year-old who wanted to be a graphic designer. Oh, Miss Alicia, is this story about you? Sure is, bud. When this 15-year-old became an 18-year-old, though, they wanted to be a theater designer. Wait, you changed your mind after three years? I did. I wanted to do something with visual arts, but I also wanted to tell stories and to work with others. It was really scary at first to be so certain of something and then to change my mind. But I wanted to do what was right for me. Good for you, Miss Alicia. The 18-year-old became 19 and then 20. And all that time, she loved doing theater sign. They worked her fellow students at her uni. They assisted designers in downtown Manhattan. She even got to work with her favorite Broadway designer of all time. But they noticed something. There weren't very many people who looked like them or her family or her friends. Whether it was on stage, backstage, or the rooms where you make theater, most of the people around her were only of white skin tones. This broke her heart. She loved theater. They loved how anyone can create stories and create community through theater. So how come not everyone could be a part of theater? Hmm. One day, a very kind teacher said to her that if they wanted to see different kinds of folks doing theater, it has to start in those folks' education. So, at 21, she decided to become an educator. She wanted to encourage young folks of all different ethnicities, genders, orientations, abilities, and backgrounds to pursue whatever gives them joy. She heard a calling to work with young folks, and they followed it. And at 24, here I am, doing just that. At middle. Yep. You see, Snuggles, my journey of what I want to do was pretty topsy-turvy. But that's okay. Sometimes, we don't know what we're going to do. But sometimes, if we listen, we can hear God's call. Let us pray. Dear God, help us hear your call. Whatever you call us to do, bless us with the courage to pursue it and to do it with every bit of our hearts. Amen. We are marching in the light of God. 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 We are marching. We are marching. We are marching in the light of God. We are marching. We are marching. We are marching in the light of God. I'm Deacon Dennis Barton. I'm Deacon Edna Benitez. Hi, I'm Deacon Deborah Berg McCarthy. Hi, I'm Deacon Thelma Boyuri. I'm Deacon Linda Doria. Hi, I'm Deacon Pam Edgar. Hi, I'm Deacon Beth Elor. I'm Deacon Joanna Gopal. Hi, I'm Deacon Kaida Hilk. Hello, I'm local deacon Vincent Parham. Hi everyone, I'm Deacon Sandra Santana. I'm Deacon Kelly Smith. Use us, Lord, to show someone 
And now let's pray together the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. I hope you pray it in whatever language or way seems right to you. There's an inclusive version printed in your bulletin. Let's pray together now. Ever loving and holy God, hallowed be your name. Your reign come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the reign and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you, God, for putting me here with the middle group. I'm so grateful to be here, and I believe that we'll be together again, person to person. I want to say love and peace to all of the middle community and to this new adventures group and in, every in several languages, which I'm holding up. Peace and love to all of you. Peace. Uncle Lars loves you. Let's get on with this revolution. Middle Church, I miss all of you. It's good to know you're out there. Good afternoon, Middle Church. May peace be with you today and always. May God bless and keep you. I'll be glad when we get back together again at church. I love you. May the peace of God be with you and Middle Church community and family. I look forward to grasping your hand and squeezing it in friendship. Peace be with you. Hello, all you lovely people that I am missing so much. And I'm sending each of you love and blessings as we live in these challenging times. And I know many of you are actively participating. Godspeed. See you soon. How I miss my Middle Church family. I'm so sorry that I can't see you and be with you face to face, but I know that you're there and I feel you around me and I send you all my love and all my prayers until we can be together again. My loving friends at Middle, I had no idea how much I would need you once I became a participant. Now, it fills a wonderful place in my life. So I am grateful for all of you.
with you all, but I'm over here having a Holy Ghost time up in my office. That was amazing. Wow. Thank you, everybody, for such beautiful worship so far. Thank you, deacons, for the work you've been doing, for the calling on your life, for the willingness to say, yes, God, I am available to you. Guys, we have more deacons now than we've ever had. Uh, some of them are local, meaning they just serve middle church and others sit on the collegiate church consistory, but all of them have said yes. Yes to giving everything to God. Yes to using their lives as a way to bless God's people. So thank you all. Thank you so much. Will you say a word of prayer with me, please? Holy One, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we thank you that even in this digital space where we're not able to hug on each other, we can feel a hug from you. So as we seek to hear a word to guide our feet and light our path, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, God, our rock and our redeemer, amen. Some of you know about the lectionary text, four passages that uh, most of the Protestant church preaches and also some Catholic churches every year. Um, there's a gospel, a wisdom literature, a psalm or proverb. There's a letter from Paul or one of the New Testament writers, and there's Hebrew scripture. So this year's lectionary is Mark's gospel, and I am thrilled because it's my favorite. And so I'm going to be preaching again today from Mark as he sets up the ministry of Jesus in his beautiful storytelling. This is about Jesus's encounter with an unclean spirit in the synagogue. Listen, Mark chapter one, 21 to 28. When they entered Capernaum, when the Sabbath arrived, Jesus lost no time getting to the meeting place, to the synagogue. He spent the day there teaching and they were surprised at his teaching. So forthright, so confident, so authoritative. No quibbling and quoting like the religion scholars, the scribes. Suddenly, while still in the meeting place, Jesus was interrupted by a man who was deeply disturbed and yelling out, what business do you have with us here, Jesus? Nazarene, I know what you're up to. You're the Holy One of God and you've come to destroy us. Jesus shut him up saying, quiet, get out of him. And the afflicting spirit threw the man into spasms, protesting loudly, and then got out. Everyone there was spellbound, buzzing, buzzing with curiosity. What's going on here? A new teaching that does what it says? He shuts up even the deviling demonic spirits and tells them to get lost. News of this traveled fast and was soon over all of Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, amen. Okay, so I need you to come with me to first century Palestine. I need you to let go in your mind that maybe you don't think there's a devil or there's demons. I need you to let go in your mind that, that, the, that there's a kind of supernatural craziness in the text. If you remember, Jesus starts his ministry by being driven out into the wilderness and being tested by Satan, the adversary. What I need you to know is that this kind of spiritual warfare, Holy Spirit versus demonic spirit was real in first century Palestine, as it has been real in pockets of humanity all over the globe, all over time. Cuba, African nations, lots of indigenous places understand that there is a kind of other plane in which their spiritual battles are happening. And you can hear that through the New Testament and actually also in the Hebrew scriptures. So let go of, was there really a devil or was there really a demon? And also let go of what you might've heard growing up that somehow this man in the synagogue 
had like epilepsy and was having an epileptic fit. That's not what Mark is talking about. That's not what Mark is talking about. Let me take you back to the sermon that Mark is preaching, the story that Mark is telling. This is the good news of Jesus, Messiah, Son of God. Good news, the beginning of the good news. He's taking us all the way back to the beginning of creation. There's an old world and now there's a new one, the beginning of the good news. The good news, the gospel. Gospel in Mark's time would have been propaganda for the empire. Propaganda for the empire. The good news that a king was born, the good news that the empire had defeated some enemy, the good news, the gospel. Mark is hijacking that word to say this is the good news, the very good news of someone who's coming to make a new world. The kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Caesar. Mark is writing, as I told you, a political gospel, a political story, a political piece of literature. And for him, the political and the spiritual are the same. It's the beginning of a new world, a new way to be, a new world order in which the reign of God, the household of God, God's economy defeats the reign of Rome, the household of Rome, and it happens in the person of Jesus, and it happens in the ones that Jesus calls to be fishers of people, the one who Jesus calls to be writers for people, the ones who Jesus calls, and that's you and me, friends, to use their vocation and their gifts to help to bring about the new world. Now that Mark has set us up and called all of us into discipleship by reporting on what Jesus did with the, with the students of his in that day, he now puts Jesus on the beginning of his campaign. Now, you know, Middle's a justice-loving church, so we're always doing a campaign. Right now, Amanda's plotting um, with one of our members, Megan Kirksey, to do a freedom lab on how to fight this virus. That's part of our social justice campaign when we work on um, teaching parents how to love on their children in this time of isolation or against guns or, or, or for choice or, or for the environment and against racism, this is our campaign. Jesus is beginning his campaign and he begins it in the center, in the center of religious life, which is to say in the beginning of the society life. Because in Mark's time, in, the, in ancient Palestine, occupied by Rome, the synagogue was not unlike me growing up in the black church, the place where campaigns were organized, the place where children were taught and raised, the place where news was shared, the place where energy was garnished to make a world better. Jesus goes right to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And the text tells us that he preaches as one with authority, as one who is compelling, as one whose sermon is totally different than the sermon of the scribes. The scribes, these religious authorities, these religious leaders that were also trained in the law, who had been preaching something, but the something that they had been preaching had been blessing rather than challenging the status quo. God's people were poor, God's people were broke, God's people didn't have health care. God's people had to give up a lot of tax money to build roads for Rome in territories that had nothing to do with them. God's people were not in control. They didn't have vote, voice, agency to change the things around them. And the scribes, the scribes had been quoting scripture and preaching, but not at all teaching anything that would shake up the money that they were able to skin off the top or to change the way the world went. Here comes Jesus on the Sabbath day, preaching in such a way that it stunned the people who were listening. And not only that, panicked them, the language says in Greek, that they were thinking, what is happening right now? And right in the midst of that, right there in the synagogue, in the holy place, is a man filled with an unclean spirit a demon. Now, stay with me. Again, not mental illness. Somebody filled with malevolence. Somebody 
filled with the same kind of spirit that had tested Jesus out in the wilderness, Mark wants you to make a connection there that this malevolence was hanging out in the synagogue, unchallenged. Didn't say that this was one of the scribes, did not say this was one of the religious leaders, said that this man with the unclean spirit was hanging out in the synagogue. Okay, and what happens? The man, the unclean spirit, speaks to Jesus. Hey, why are you here? What have you got to do with us? What are you going to do with us? Jesus knows his name. Nazarene knows where he's from. Calls him, calls him a holy one of God. Not the Messiah, not son of God, a holy one of God, a teacher, a prophet. And Jesus silences the man with the unclean spirit. When the unclean spirit recognizes Jesus, names Jesus, this is an act of power in ancient culture. Remember how Adam was able to name all the animals? The one with the power does the naming. So before the demon says anything else, actually calls Jesus son of God, Messiah, Jesus silences him, tells him to be quiet, and also commands the demon, the, the unclean spirit, to come out of the man. Now, this is a battle. This is a cosmic battle between good and evil, between Holy Spirit and malevolent spirit, between reign of God and reign of Rome. And all through his gospel, all through his subversive good news, Mark is gonna build this tension and it's beginning to build now, right now. Jesus at the beginning of his campaign has been able to control Satan in the wilderness and is able to rebuke this spirit inside the synagogue. Question, why is there an unclean spirit in the synagogue? Why was it okay with the scribes that an unclean spirit hangs out in the synagogue? Sometimes religious leaders don't like to call stuff what it is. Sometimes religious leaders, people like me, don't feel comfortable saying, uh, that's not okay. Um, that's kind of foul, uh, that's wrong, or that's evil. Because we think if we do, we're being judgmental. And we think if we're judgmental, people don't wanna to come to church. And we think if people don't come to church, we won't get paid. So some religious leaders are quiet, even in the face of what is clearly unacceptable, even in the face of what is clearly wrong, even in the face of violence, in the face of racism, in the face of homophobia and transphobia, in the face of anti-Semitism, in the face of anti-Islamic sentiment, in the face of capitalism gone wrong, in the face of poverty that cripples God's people, religious leaders just might keep their mouth shut. Because they don't want to make anybody angry and they don't want to make anybody uncomfortable and they therefore don't tell the truth. Some commentators say, when the man with the demon spoke up, he was speaking on behalf of the scribes, the religious leaders. What have you got to do with us? What are you gonna do with us? Are you gonna destroy us? And the scholars who think that, think it because in chapter three, when the scribes are coming for Jesus, they say he is possessed with a demon. Can you feel the kind of symmetry in this story of Jesus casting out an unclean spirit that wonders if Jesus is there to destroy the teaching of the scribes? And then the scribes accusing Jesus of being filled with an unclean spirit. Mark is making a contest, friends, right there. So these scribes, these religious leaders who don't challenge the status quo, who don't speak against overtaxing people, who don't speak against prohibiting people from making a way out of their lives, who don't speak against the giant chasm between the have and the have not, those people, they weren't preaching with authority. Jesus's authority is the one that was capturing the imagination and therefore the organizing and therefore 
the willing to stand up and fightness, the willing to speak up, the, we, the, the willingness to protest of these people. This sets in motion, this early in the gospel, the context that's gonna end in Palm Sunday with Jesus being tried as a criminal. Do we have unclean spirits in the places of religion today? Of course we do. Of course we do. We have uncleanness in our religious houses. We have funky, old-timey theologies in our religious houses. We have white supremacist ideologies in our religious houses masquerading as faith. We have hate queer people in our religious houses. We have racism in our religious houses. We have unclean spirits in our religion yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And it lives unchallenged, unrebuked, unexercised, because we're afraid. Because we're afraid to declare ourselves, to tell the truth, to tell Jesus' truth. This week, Middle Church tweeted some beautiful tweet. I'm paraphrasing it just a little, but we're more concerned with making sure God's people have food on the table than saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost or the personal relationship with Jesus Christ or getting yourself ready to parachute out of the earth and off into heaven. I added some there. The fighting on Twitter and in Instagram because of that theological stance that people would write back, oh no, Jesus is much more concerned about our personal salvation. Oh no, it's okay for people to be hungry. What makes you think God wants everybody to eat? I'm calling that unclean spirit. I didn't say demonic. I'm saying unclean. I'm saying impure. I'm saying not right. What interpretation did the scribes make about what was being said in the space of religion that would allow them to keep demonic spirit in the space? What, what weak, tepid, Preaching must that have been. Versus Jesus calling powers, principalities, and authorities to live as though God's reign is the most important thing on earth. To live as though, to live as though the least are the first. To live as though children matter, all people matter, outsiders matter, women matter. To live as though our job is to make what we believe will be in heaven right now. This is a moment for the same kind of context and the same kind of contest right here in our religious life. Our religious life that created the clan. Our religious life that sent little children on shoulders to watch lynchings. Our religious life, our Christian religious life that allowed for the wholesale extermination of Jews because they weren't Christian, the torture of Muslims because they weren't Christian. That's the same kind of tepid, unclean preaching that will not criticize people who chase children and accuse them of creating a false lie around gun violence when their friends have been killed that the same kind of unclean talk that leads to the insurrection, not the protest that happened on January 6th. This kind of unclean teaching in our religious institutions, and Christians don't have the monopoly on that, hate speech, anti-people speech, the lie about the environment being in trouble, this kind of unclean teaching has got to be challenged and it isn't just my job to do so, my friends. It's hard to tell the people we love that we disagree with them. 
It's difficult to challenge the religiosity of people with whom we're in relationship. It makes us want to keep our mouths closed and see what's gonna happen. But look what happens when we keep our mouth closed. The planet is dying. Look what happens when we keep our mouth closed. The closed mouth approval of exterminating Jews, of taking the land from the indigenous and kidnapping children and forcing their language and culture out of them, that same silence that allowed for racism to grow unchecked in this nation and to keep on marching until it puts its knee on the necks of black people. Child, we have work to do to clean up these houses of faith with fierce love. Fierce love that takes the risk to tell the truth. Fierce love that challenges itself to be confrontational. Fierce love that will not abide a lie. Fierce love that won't pretend that everything's okay because it's not. There's too much at stake. Our babies are watching. Our old people are languishing. The poor are poorer. The environment is in trouble. We are the ones we've been waiting for to speak the truth, to call what's unclean, unclean. Yesterday, I spent three hours cleaning up my office. It looked clean and it wasn't. There were dust bunnies everywhere, unfiled papers everywhere, stuff I refused to look at because I couldn't face it. It just was COVID related depression, leaving things lying around. I'm taking on my closet next. What needs to be cleaned up in our house might be our fear to call something unclean when it is. I'm inviting you to join me and the staff as we get ready to head into Black History Month and as we get ready to go to Ash Wednesday and be on a Lenten journey, to be on a journey to truth, to be on a journey of the ethic of love, to ask ourselves every day, what would love do now? And to do that. That's the only way that we're gonna clean up what's unclean inside ourselves and in our world. I hope you'll join us, amen. Good morning, Middle Family. My name is Michael Quattroni. I'm so pleased to be here with you today. My family and I joined Middle just over three years ago when we fell in love with the music, the mission, and the fierce love that our ministers preach and that we all get to embody together so palpably. Like so many of you, we were heartbroken to learn of the fire that took our sanctuary on that cold December night. But now, in the bright January of this new year, middle is rising to the moment to turn that loss into opportunity. And I want to invite you to join us in doing just that. Middle Rising is our capital campaign to reconstruct our sacred space, where worship, artistic gathering, learning, and organizing happen. A Freedom School is going to be a part of this new space for the intergenerational development of a fierce love as a public ethic. This project is central to Middle right now. It will feature anti-racism trainings, art and justice programming, peacemaking workshops, conversations on reparations, and so much more. We need to build this together with our hearts, with our voices, and with our dollars. So I hope you'll join me. Here's how you can do just that. Sign up to become a member. I know our incredible team is putting the right link in the chat below. You can also donate. It's your support that powers this movement. Every single gift matters, especially in this difficult time. Do not underestimate the impact of your generosity. One dollar will touch one person who will be encouraged empowered and loved on through Middle's digital ministry. So here are some ways to give. You can visit our website, www.middlechurch.org rising 
to support our rebuilding costs. Or you can go to www.middlechurch.org donate to support our general operating costs and our programming budget. You can also find us on Facebook and click the donate button there. Or you can send a gift via text message by texting the amount of your gift to this number, 917-924-4666. You can also give via Venmo. Our handle there is at Middle Collegiate Church. Middle needs you to empower love and justice in our community. We can't do it without you. Please join us. Let's pray together now. Holy and loving God, for the gifts that have been given today, gifts of time, gifts of talent, gifts of treasure, we give you thanks. God, we give with abundant and loving and trusting hearts, not always knowing what the end will be, but knowing that you are with us the whole time. And sometimes that is enough. Use our gifts now to bring about the world that you imagine. Amen.
take our lives, God, let, it, let, it, let them be consecrated, set apart, set aside for you. Help us, Holy One, to join you in the cleaning up of the world and making proclamations that call all of us to make heaven on earth, to make the reign of God now. Help us to clean up our fear, our indecision, our worry about whether we'll be accepted, God, and help us march out into the world with fierce love, with fierce revolutionary just love, so that we can make sure everyone eats and everyone has enough and everyone is safe and everyone is well and whole because you want it that way. Bless us, each and every one, to be house cleaners with revolutionary fierce love. Amen. <laughs>